Easter is done. But God's still on the throne. Did anybody here see Batman versus Superman? Oh, I cannot believe it. One more time, just so I could just make sure. uh, Anybody here see Batman? Oh. See, I don't know how far to go with this because you haven't seen it. Now, let me just, I'm going to ask this question. Who in here would be mad at me if I spoiled some of Batman versus Superman? Oh. Okay. I'm going to do my best not to spoil it for you. But if you um, haven't grown up uh, reading comic books and uh, enjoying superheroes and cartoons, uh, you wouldn't understand that Batman and Superman represent ideals from the Jewish and Christian tradition. If you look hard enough before I actually jump into it, who do you think Superman represents? Go ahead, say it out. Jesus. Superman is a symbol of Jesus Christ. He's the only son who came down to help save the world from evil. Now, does anybody know who Batman represents? Batman represents who? Just give it a guess. No! (laughs) Stop it! Please pray for her. (laughs) Batman, who is my personal favorite, but I do not wear the Batman shirt today. Batman represents Moses and the law of Moses. If you ever watch the cartoon or comic books uh, and you're really detailed in what you're trying to observe, you'll see Batman's very much about law, about right and wrong. There's no gray. And Batman will, in a sense, punish to a degree the bad guys. Batman represents the law. Wow, Jesus Christ represents the grace of God. And both of them had to come to humanity's aid because of evil. Both of them have a mother whose name is Martha. They didn't want to go too far and call her, you know, say Mary because it would have been too controversial. People would have got it. But when critics criticize the movie Batman is Superman or the Man is Steel, the issue they have is they don't like the Judeo-Christian premise behind the cartoon. They think that's antiquated or old. And when you talk about Christ now in the public, you have to be careful regarding what you're saying or the consequences. I like the movie Batman versus Superman. I've seen it twice. My hope is to see it at least three or four more times. I liked it that much. However, you have to understand why people are having such a hard time with it. When you go to the movie, enjoy yourself, and hopefully by the week four of this series, I'll be able to give you all the spoilers. So if you come back, just understand you have to watch the movie before then. Batman represents Moses. Superman represents Jesus Christ. This month, we're going to talk about the law versus grace. So week one, we're going to discuss honoring your covenant to Christ. As we honor our covenant to Christ, we'll realize biblically we are in a marriage to Jesus Christ. As a believer in Jesus, you are married to Jesus. The marriage is significant because through it, you're responsible to be faithful to God, to love God, to cherish God. Now the problem with being married to God is what? Well, we can't touch him. He doesn't touch us. We, we, how do we get closer to him? Now, we need God's spirit, Holy Spirit, to give us the ability or the capacity to love God the way he needs to be loved. 
Now, with the law in the Old Testament, it was a marriage. The Jewish believers were married to God. But the problem with the law is it did not give them the motivation to do the right thing. So have you noticed that when someone tells you don't do something, something in your heart or in your body starts bubbling up. Don't touch that. Did mommy say don't touch that? Okay, mommy. As soon as mommy's not looking, ah, uh, Titus, I'm talking about my son. He's three years old now. And uh, we had Easter last week and we got these Easter eggs, right? So we got these Easter eggs and Titus has like six of them. I don't know why y'all gave him so many Easter eggs, but he has six of them. And he has hidden those eggs strategically throughout his room. So he always comes up to me and say, huh, huh, huh. That means here, daddy, I want some candy. He'd rather have candy than eat his lunch. He'd rather have candy than eat his dinner. And I'm always like, no, 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 buddy. You know, I want to make sure you eat first before you get to the candy. So he's like, mm-hmm. and you know, Titus, Arr. so he disappears. And then I don't hear from Titus. And I'm like, why is he so quiet? So then I go and I see him in the corner and he's like, sucking on a sucker. Now, not only did he know that he had to hide, he knew to hide strategically so he thought I would not find him. Now, this is going to be a hard thing to get, but it's the essence of our faith. Sin pervades our very DNA. You don't have to tell a kid how to be bad. It's hard to hear, but it's the truth. Sin pervades our very nature. Little kids, when they grow up, do wrong naturally. And we as parents have to give them the guidance and the wisdom to do the right thing. God had to send his son to die for our sins so that he could give us a new heart and his spirit so that we can prevail over sin. That's called grace. Okay? Week two, we're going to talk about understanding the law of Moses' design to reveal our need for Jesus. When Jesus came to the earth, the Jews had misunderstood the point of the law. They thought they could master the law. And once they mastered it, they thought, hey, I know the law forward and backwards. And because I know it's so good, you know what? I can do the right thing. And we can earn our way in order to be right with God. But over time, they come to eventually realize you can't do good enough to be right with God. Week three, we're going to talk about the laws designed to show us who we really are. When we look at the law, the 613 commandments, we realize there's no way we can keep them. And because there are 613, it shows us who we are in contrast to God. And lastly, week four, we're going to discuss that Jesus and Jesus alone can set us free. I love that man. Batman is smarter than Superman. That's what I always say. Uh, but this uh, week, we want to focus on honoring our covenant to God. 
I am a, a man who's been through a lot, and I don't always talk about it negatively, but what I've been through, I've learned how to trust Jesus Christ through the process. I grew up going to church in uh, St. Albans, West Virginia. I went to St. Paul Baptist Church. I used to go to the top of the service and go to sleep while the preacher preached. And the only time during the service I would wake up is during the end of the service when the pastor would go, and he'd be preaching. And I'd wake up because I'm like, oh, it's about to end. Yes. I never heard really anything what the pastor said. But going to that church, it didn't stop me from sinning. I learned about the truth of gospel, the truth of God, but it didn't have the ability to change me because I didn't trust what the words of the pastor were saying. I'd hear him, but man, if he could just get to the part where he's shouting and screaming and then at that point, you know what, I'd wake up because it's almost over. And eventually over time, life got hard. Physically, I dealt with issues and relationally, I dealt with issues and I had people dying and, and death and, and all these different things that happened. I could not overcome them and eventually I fell to my knees and said, Jesus, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And God, because of his grace, heard my prayer and something happened on the inside. It no longer was just words, it was reality. The truth of God is he has the power to change our hearts, to make us new creatures. The Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. But all these things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and has given us a ministry of reconciliation. To the wit, God was in Jesus reconciling the world to us through him. And he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, if I look at you in the eyes, I'm not picking on you personally because I'm trying to engage. That's a speaking technique. So there's not a lot of people in here. So if you look down, it's okay. I'm still looking at you because I have to look you in the eyes. Jesus Christ is the way. We have this awesome hope that this life is not all there is. But there's this profound problem we have in the world that's called sin. And we've had a hard time in the church of how to address sin. It's so personal. We, know, we sometimes wrestle, well, this is just who I am. And the Bible's like, yeah, that's who you are. But in Jesus, you are a new creation. The word creation is something that has never existed before. Now, once I'm saved by the grace of God, it doesn't mean I won't ever sin again. It just means I have a different motivation. I have God's heart in my heart. And now God is trying to build one thing in my heart, love. The only way you can keep from doing wrong or sinning is because you love God enough. The Old Testament is completely clear on this issue. Every great man tried as hard as they can to do the right thing but there was nobody able to live to a high enough standard to be righteous in God's sight. Now, what revealed that issue was the law. See, God made a promise to Abraham and said, man, I'm gonna bless every single person on this earth. I'm gonna bless them, those who put their faith in me. God gave the Jews a blessing 
a covenant. And because of this covenant, they were given all these great priceless privileges to hear from God, to know the law, to represent him on the earth. But the problem was, even though they were in this covenant, they kept on sinning. And they realized something must be wrong with us. Why is it that we have God with us? We see the miracles. We're overcoming. We're prospering. We have a king now. The King David is a king. We have everything we want, but we're still not satisfied. It's because there's something within the DNA of humanity. It's called sin. Many religions try to address issues, but they can't. All these other religions can't address sin and death. That's why Jesus Christ had to come to fix us, to change us. The law was designed to show us we need God. So what did God do? He married us. He betrothed us. We are engaged to Jesus Christ if you are in the church. And if you're engaged to Christ, he's given you a new heart and he's also given you his spirit to help you overcome sin. Now, I want to be honest. You may wrestle with sin the rest of your life. Can I get a silent amen? Silent amen. Thank you. That means you said it in your, I'm sorry. You, I know, Mike, I try. (laughs) Look, guys, we're going to wrestle with sin the rest of our natural lives. It's a fact. But the problem is you can't acquiesce. You can't capitulate. You can't surrender and say, forget it. I'm never going to overcome this. I'm never going to do good. I'm never going to be good enough. That's true. You never will be. But Jesus is good enough. See, grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's kind of like, hmm, my wife and I. Now, I love my wife, and I want to do good things for her. But grace is when I do something good for her when she didn't even ask for it or deserve it. Just out of the kindness of my heart, I show her favor. And because I'm such a loving husband, such a Don Juan, such a Romeo. She then responds, oh, you are the best husband I know. Who is like you, husband of mine? Now, that was all hyperbole, of course. Nevertheless, that's like God's grace. When we were God's enemies, Jesus died for us. We didn't want to be with God. Right now, as I say these words, Sometimes we have different thoughts that come in our head. Are these words life? Is God speaking through my mouth? And is it hitting your heart? Are the words seed being planted in your heart to produce a harvest so that you can become more like God? But the reality of it is we come to church, we hear these words like that's not appealing. Man, I can't wait to get home. Or man, I can't wait till I get ready for school. Or you have all these other thoughts when this is eternity that is on the line. So God gives you his heart so that in time you can love him more, desire him more, want more intimacy with him. And through that, ultimately you become like his son, Jesus Christ. But you have to honor your covenant. You have to think every day you wake up, I'm married to Jesus. So if I'm married to him, how should I act? 
Should I make myself vulnerable to Jesus? Do I spend time talking to Jesus? Do I spend time loving on him? Because when you do that, your relations with him, your relationship with him becomes better. It prospers, it grows. Because your relationship with Jesus Christ is what this life is all about. Are you in love with Jesus? Honor your covenant to God. I got a quick quote. From Watchman Nee, when I was in seminary, everybody hated Watchman Nee because he had such a horrible, difficult life. His life was so difficult, he called his book basically The Average Christian Life. (laughs) But it was so hard. And he has this quote I want to read. It says, grace means that God does something for me. Law means I do something for God. God has certain holy and righteous demands which he places upon me. This, excuse me, that is law. Now, if law means that God requires something of me for the fulfillment, then deliverance from the law means he no longer requires that for me, but himself provides it. If you can't open your Bible to Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 3. If you don't have a Bible, we provided it here for you. The book of Romans is probably one of the scariest books in all of the Bible. One of the most challenging books in all the Bible. But if you don't understand who the author is writing to Paul, you misunderstand the entire book. Paul here, look at verse 7, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, Paul says, Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law. Who are the ones who know the law but Jewish people? So understand, in this context, over the next four weeks, we're going to address Paul writing a letter to the Roman church to Jewish people. Now, Paul, at this point, has never been to Rome. He's writing his letter from somewhere else because there are Jewish people who are coming to the church in Rome and saying, in order to be a Christian, you need to be circumcised. In order to be a Christian, you need to follow all of the 613 commandments that there are. And there's a big turmoil in the church. What do we do? How are we going to be right with God? Do we have to be circumcised? No way I'm going to be a part of that religion. I'm not going to be circumcised. I'm a grown man. That's never going to happen. So Paul has to come in and try to address this issue. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean to be right with God? So he starts here in chapter 7 addressing these Jewish men. And it says again, like I'm going to read it again, verse 1. Or do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. Why? Because they're married to a law. They're in a covenant. When you're in a marriage covenant, it's supposed to be to what? Death do you part. Now, we live in a day and age where people don't believe like that or think like that or even act like that. But biblically, a marriage covenant is unto death. Now, the covenant can be broken. However, in God's eye, you're supposed to be married until the end. Verse 2. For the woman who has a husband is bound by the law to her husband as long as he lives. But if the husband dies, she's not what? She's released from the law of her husband. So then if, while her husband lives, she marries another man, she will be called an adulteress. But if her husband dies, she is free from that law so that she is no adulteress, though she has married another man. Verse 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another. Now, he's trying to make a clear point. 
you Jewish men who were under the old covenant, the only way you could be free from the old covenant is what? You have to die. You have to die. Now, if you put your heart, your trust in Jesus Christ, you die. And because Jesus died, you can, are considered dead. And because Jesus was resurrected, you are considered a new creature. This is how God thinks. Let's go on. Verse five, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Father God, I ask you in the brief time I have, Lord God, speak through me so that we can hear your word and be changed forever. In Jesus Christ's name I pray forever and ever, amen. So understand, Paul is trying to address a very killer, very important, a paramount issue in the church. What role does the law have if Jesus Christ nullifies the law? Are you trying to tell me that I've been following this law all my life and it means nothing? I'm no better than a Gentile. I'm no better than everybody else in the world. Paul, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's understand what the law is. But before he had to clarify that, he tried to show them what was happening the law brought up these passions in her heart. The speed limit says drive how fast? 55. Are you driving 55? Okay, well, I can go four miles ahead. Maybe five. Why is it that we can't drive the speed limit? What? Yes, buddy. What is it that compels us to go beyond what we are asked to do? It's sin within our members. I tell everybody, don't look this way. Everybody, don't look this way. I'm going to do something. Don't look this way. Now, right now, there's something more in you. What is he telling me to do? Now, that is the evidence of a problem. And he's trying to address that problem. He's saying, look, the law shows us that we are off, that we are struggling. I have a son who wrestles with autism. And when I try to tell him about the gospel of Jesus Christ and the healing power of God, I'm afraid he's going to say, why, why did God make me this way? And I want to tell him, you don't understand. We've all been affected by sin. And because we've all been affected by sin, it affects us all very differently. You have to understand through Jesus Christ, healing comes completely. But here on this earth, it only comes significantly. But in heaven, it comes comprehensively. Where you have to understand and what you have to realize is until you see everything that God has for you, which won't be until we get to heaven, you have to trust him every single step of the way. What do I tell my son who has autism? about God heal him. God can heal him right now. But if he doesn't, you can be free in Christ. You can still grow in grace. You can still love God with all your heart. And despite how you may not fit in socially, God can make up the difference. The challenge for you is, do you trust him despite the effects of sin on your life? 
We are broken. We are battered. We are falling apart, but yet we're still victorious. We are triumphant. We are overcomers in Christ. But I don't see the victory. You see it in faith. I'm not speaking abstractly. When you see God with you, when you see God answer your prayers, when you pray, Lord, help me, and you see a little glimmer of hope, know that God is with you. And if you know God is with you, sometimes you have to take that as all the encouragement you're going to give for that moment. But you know he's there. And if he's there, it's all true. And if it's all true, then one day you will receive all that God has. But it only comes through Christ. So what do we need to know? The Christian has no obligation to the law of Moses. There are a lot of believers now, there's this new trend or movement happening where Christians are now trying to go back and live out the law. Why? Because they don't see other believers living differently from the world. So they go back to the law and say, you know what? I look at the church and they're just like the world. I want to be different. So they go back to the law and say, hey, you know what? In order for me to be a Christian, I'll do what the law says. Now, Galatians addresses that directly. Paul said, who bewitched you, you Galatians? You've been made free in Christ, and now you're put in bondage again by the law. Understand there's nothing that you could do to be right with God. Are you struggling with an issue? Don't go back to the law. Don't try to earn your way to be right with God. Trust him. Pray. Find accountability. Learn to develop new habits. But these things don't make you right. They just bring you closer to God. It's, the Bible says, one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. You can't work hard enough to be right. But God is the one who frees you from bondage, not the law. So, you got to do this. This is important so that you will not get confused in thinking that you are obligated to devote yourself both to the law and to Jesus. I remember when I first got saved and I used to listen to a lot of Messianic Jews and I was like, wow, they know the law, that's so cool. I went in the law too. Man, how do I overcome it? What does the law say? And none of those things help me be more like Christ. <laughs> you start looking at the law and you realize I can't do what it's saying. You can't. There's no way that you could even keep eight of the laws, much less 613 of them. No human has ever been able to do that but one. And do you know who that human was? Jesus Christ. He is Superman. Oh, being a Batman fan, that's so hard to say. I love Batman. He's resilient. Just because I'm wearing this shirt, don't think that Batman lost the fight. I'm not saying, but I'm saying. Superman, or Jesus, won the victory for us. We put our trust in what he did. We put our faith in him alone. But the problem with sin is people run away from the conversation of sin nowadays. They run away from the conversation about hell. Why? Because our feelings now have been, in a sense, super heightened by our culture. Right now, our culture says, what you feel is truth. What you feel is right. But we don't understand our feelings have been affected by sin. I'm not saying your feelings are evil. I'm not saying your feelings are all benevolent. 
But what I am saying is just like your thoughts have a tendency of strain, as I speak right now, some of you are wrestling around with what you're going to eat when you leave. Your feelings, too, have been affected by sin. Your feelings go up. And then you know what they do? Your feelings go down. The stock market goes up and the stock market goes down. But you can't make your decisions based upon your feelings. You have to make decisions based upon objective truth. And the only way we know objective truth is because of God. It's because of Jesus. You put your faith in him. You plant your tree beside those living waters and you will bear fruit. You're married to Christ, not to the law. So what do you need to do? Honor your covenant to Jesus. Honor it. Take time out of your life and spend with Jesus. This is one thing we say consistently here. If you've been here any amount of time, we're only just a year old, a year and a week now. We are one year and one week old. Our anniversary was on March 22nd, which is a great day. It's my birthday too, just so you know. We are a year and a week old. And I've been trying to say the same thing. Have you spent time with God this week outside of Sunday service? Have you heard God's voice in the last week or two? Have you had to trust God to come through for you? You, How are you going to live this life in this vibrant, healthy relationship with God, but you're handling all your business on your own? You don't even need Jesus to help you. Can he really come through for you? Is he really your healer? Is he really your master? Is he really your provider? Is he really your righteousness? You have to fight to spend time with Jesus. It's not easy. I'm watching Daredevil right now. It's so good. It's on Netflix. Don't watch it, but I'm watching it. The NCAA tournament is almost over. It's so exciting. Are you watching it? Don't raise your hand. You've been so engrossed in your family's life, in your kids' life, in your school life. You don't understand. You're married to Jesus for all eternity. And this life is designed to get you to spend quality time with him when you're divided. And you have to make a choice which is indicative of real love. You have all these other options. Right before I married my wife, I was a catch. There were some women out there that wanted to spend time with me. And I had to make my choice. Do I want to spend time with this person or this person or that person? And because I chose my wife over all those other people, she said, I do. The same is true right now with you and Jesus. You can spend time watching Harry Potter or being a great lawyer or doctor. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. But what I am saying is spend time with your lover. Spend time with Jesus. Because in spending time with him, you are conformed into his image. You become more like his wife, his bride. Spend time with Jesus on your covenant to Christ. Why? So you can bear fruit. Many times people will come to Christ and they don't see change in their lives. I believe there are people who don't even want to change. They come to God and think, okay, God, what are you going to give me? But not realizing the point of coming to God is so that you can change. He's trying to change you. God is trying to change us. Let me say it like this. He's trying to change us. 
He wants us to look like him. I'm not saying God won't give you good things, won't give you a car, won't give you clothes, won't help you with your school. I'm not saying he won't give you an A on that test, but his primary goal is for you to look like him. He's given everything for that. But sometimes people come to Christ and they're not even interested in changing until they go through calamity, until they hit rock bottom, until they're so unsatisfied with life, they have no other choice. You don't have to let life do you like that for you to come to God. God is trying to change you. Let him do the changing in your heart. And when you bear fruit, the fruit is Righteousness, holiness, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all these are fruit because you spent time with Jesus. Spend time with your master. What do we know? Okay, how shall we live? Or what do we do now? Understand the law, you hate when it switches on me. The law brings death, but the spirit brings life. Live. This is a very high theological issue which I'm trying to make super practical. You can't earn your way. If you're struggling with the sin, this is the problem that people have. They struggle with the sin and then they stop coming to church. They struggle with the sin and they give up on God. They struggle with the sin and they stop reading their Bibles because they feel like I can't overcome it. But don't you understand when you realize you have a sin you're struggling with, that's when you push into God's presence. Push into God. He's the one that changes you. He's the one that sets you free. But if you sit there and say, you're right, you know what, I'm gonna overcome this sin. I know that sin's wrong, and I'm gonna fight and do all I gotta do to get away from that. That's not how it works. God is the one who sets us free. And when you're in Christ, you are free indeed. <laughs> so remember. Uh-oh. Well, he saw mommy. That's not my preaching. He saw his mom. <laughs> so this is what I want you to remember. You can't love both Batman and Superman. Let me repeat that. You can't love both Batman and Superman. Now, you can kind of like them. You can kind of have affections for them, but you can't love them both the same because to a degree, they're antithetical. They juxtapose each other. They're opposites. Batman represents the law. Batman says, you know what? My parents died, and life taught me a lesson that you gotta force life to make sense. That's what Batman says, do you know that? He says you gotta force it to make sense. That's why, that's why Batman's enemy is who? The Joker. The Joker represents chaos. Batman represents pure logic. He's like, it's either right or wrong, no in between. But Superman represents the grace of God. And we, as a church, you know who we are? Lois Lane. I'm serious. You, this is deep, I'm telling you. It's not deeper than the Bible, but it's pretty deep. And Lois Lane always what? She always gets into trouble. And do you know who's always there to save her? Super. 
Superman. He flies in the last minute. She's on one side of the earth and he's on the other and he hears her heart rate elevate. She's in trouble. And saves her the nick of time. Jesus Christ is our Savior. There are many troubles ahead of us. Many obstacles that are there. Some are emotional. Some are physical. Some are financial. Some are social. Right now, we know what's going on in our community. Pastors calling me, trying to help. I'm like, I just got Jesus for you. I don't got much else. <laughs> and if that's not enough, then you don't need my help. But that's the mentality I have because I've experienced God's power in my life. It's real. Did you watch Star Wars? Who watched it? Don't put your hand up. Don't watch it. Don't put your hand up if you didn't watch it. Han Solo says, it's all true. Some people have a problem dealing with the scriptures. But it says, we aged. It addresses that. And then finally, the scriptures has this promise of eternal life. This is the blessing, the promise that was given to Abraham. That through Abraham, all the world would be blessed. Do you want to be blessed? I know you're going to struggle. Everybody knows that. I struggle too. I want to give up sometimes. I want to lash out. I want to fight. I want to fix it on my own. But I can't. So sometimes I have to be taken advantage of. I have to be hurt. I have to be disappointed. I have to be talked about negatively. I have to go through pain of disappointment of seemingly my prayers not being answered. All these things have to happen because God is refining me. So in the end, I don't look like Batman. In the end, God, God wants me to look like Superman. God has a plan for your life. And it's my hope today that you'll take seriously your covenant with Jesus. That you'll take time this week to, to pray, to open your Bible, to sit in his presence, to fall in love with him. You have to have a compassion, a desire to be with him. And if that desire isn't in your heart, don't be embarrassed. That's when you push harder. God, give me a compassion for you, a love for you. Can I pray for you? Father God, we thank you for this service today. We're thankful, Father God, that you're sovereign and you're on the throne. Lord, we realize that rules don't change us. Rules don't make us better. Your word says that you give a law only because there are lawbreakers. But you give grace because you love us. Father God, we ask you right now to extend your grace again in our lives. Lord, we know we're not perfect, and you know that too, but you're perfect. And you have a perfect plan for our lives, Father God. Lord, help. 
strengthen, save us, change us for your glory. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, is there anyone here today that has not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior? If there's someone today that wants to be saved, we want to open the invitation. If there's someone here today that you've walked away from Jesus, you're no longer living with him. You're no longer being faithful to your covenant and you want to come back to him. If you're here today, we want to pray for you. So, young lady to my left and a man to my right, if there's someone here today that you're dealing with an issue in your body, you're dealing with disappointment in your mind, you're dealing with a sense of hopelessness and you want hope, you want encouragement, you want healing, there's a lady to my left and a man to my right who will pray for you. Is there someone here today that needs prayer? These people are available to you. And the altar's open for you. If anyone's here today and you want to sit in God's presence or go closer to Him, if there's someone here today you want to you deal with God or you want Him to deal with you, the altar is open. The altar is a place of sacrifice. If you have a sin in your life and you're not finding the ability to overcome them, Come to the altar this morning. While our heads are bowed and eyes are closed, I want to pray for you very briefly. Dear Lord Jesus, we pray for you right now. Lord, we're your church. And Lord, this was a hard service, but you're so gracious. Lord God, there's so much stuff going on in the world. Issues with black and issues with white and issues with economy, presidential elections, Father God. This country is absolutely divided. There's sin problems, Father God. We want to be a certain way. We want to live a certain way, Father God, but we are in conflict. Lord God, we ask you to bring us peace, wholeness, and unity in Christ. Lord God, we ask you to fill us with your spirit today so that we can honor you. Change us from the inside out, Lord God. Make us overcomers. Give us endurance. If you do that, Lord God, we'll be sure to give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Help us leave here changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, uh, as the doors are open, there's vittles, which are snacks, I believe, that are outside in the foyer. We call them vittles because I'm from West Virginia. Um, uh, please take time and shake the hands of at least five or six people. Hug some people. If you want to attend small group this Wednesday, uh, they're here in uh, the Brooklyn Park area. Uh, it's here in the Brooklyn Park area. We'll give you the information. You can get it from this man or this lady or one of the ladies in the back. Um, if you need help during the week or you need some comfort or counseling, my phone number is available to you. I'll give you the information. If you want to know more about the church, uh, check us out on the website. But we ask you also to keep us in prayer. This is a season of transition for us, a good season. It's a great season. But as God transitions us, be faithful during the transition. Watch your heart. Watch your attitude. Watch your words. How we go through transition will determine what we look like on the other side. Honor your covenant to Christ through the transition. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you, give you peace. In Jesus Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you for coming to Adura's Church. 
Be blessed.